This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Damn, we about to laugh Kyle Larson. It's over. I'm not sure why he just thinks he can run over us. Did it last week, too. Welcome to NASCAR America, presented by Mobile One, alongside drivers Dale Jarrett and Kyle Petty. It's Tuesday, so that means scan all. We're also going to spend some time at Stuart Haas Racing uh, at the shop. But first, it's been a big news afternoon. One team losing a driver, another changing crew chiefs. We're going to start there. Casey Kane's future, we yes. know it's been in limbo really ever since he rode by us. We were doing the poster yeah, show. Yeah. Uh, he rode by us on a golf cart following Darlington's race five weeks ago. The uncertainty is over, but so is Casey's time behind the wheel in NASCAR. Today, Casey announced that he will miss the rest of the season after not being medically cleared to return to racing. He's been undergoing tests for exhaustion and has missed the last five races in the 95 car. Kane had hoped to return because he had already announced in August that 2018 would be his last full-time season in NASCAR. Now, Kane's team has scheduled a press conference tomorrow to announce who their new driver will be. But right now, I, I guess let's just, the, the fact that this is coming obviously yeah. earlier than, than Casey wanted. Yeah, and you know, it's sad. I, I always think it's sad when a driver has to be out of the car uh, for medical reasons and then when they retire. So this is double sad because you look at it and you say, okay, this is early retirement because of a medical issue. He had planned to step out at the end of the year. He said that we when he went by the, the the stage that night or the the setup in Victory Lane, he looked bad, but he didn't look that bad. But obviously, there's other things that are going on, um, and Darlington quite possibly could have been may play out to be the last Cup race that he he runs in his career. Uh, I hope not. I hope he comes back and runs a one-off or does something. But at the same time, it's it's sad when that happens. Yeah, I just wonder if it's a carbon monoxide issue yeah. more than a dehydration Good or hydration, point. but I hope they find it quickly. Yeah, well, as we said, news also coming uh, on the crew chief front from Joe Gibbs Racing. The team announcing today that Daniel Suarez is crew chief. Scott Graves is leaving JGR effective immediately. Dave Rogers will take over as Suarez's crew chief for the rest of 2018. Obviously, you know the, the insides of that building yeah. very well. Um, your thoughts on this announcement at this at this time in the season? Yeah, kind of strange this time of the season, especially with uh, the prospects that Daniel Suarez isn't going to be there. But Dave Rogers has been a part of that organization for a long time, has done a lot of great things over there. So pairing him uh, with Daniel, see if they can get things done. When teams aren't in the playoffs uh, anymore, or they miss the playoffs, but uh, they start to make changes just to see if they might get uh, a little bit of spark there and see if Daniel can get to Victor Lane. All right, let's go ahead and move to the playoffs. And we kick things off by talking about the organization with the most teams in the postseason structure right now, Stuart Haas Racing. All four cars advancing to the round of 12 right now. Two are in, two are below the cut line. All four drivers have won on restrictor plate tracks before. So, hey, that's something to feel good about. Dylan Welch went to the SHR shop today and has more on the state of Stuart Haas. 
Krista, it looked like it was going to be a banner day at Dover for these four Stuart Haas racing cars. Kevin Harvick dominated the early portion of the race, and Eric Almarola was in a great spot to get that elusive win. Plus, Clint Boyer and Kurt Busch showed a lot of speed all afternoon long. The final results not indicative of just how dominant these four cars were at Dover, and a couple of those drivers, Eric Almarola and Clint Boyer, face an uphill climb as they head to Talladega this weekend, 10 points below the cutoff line. The other two, Kevin Harvick and Kurt Busch, they're in a little better shape. 68 points and 21 respectively for those two. That's their margin of error, but it's Talladega. Nothing is really comfortable, but they do have a little bit more breathing room as we get set to hit the high banks this weekend. Krista will talk to Eric Almirola, get his thoughts previewing this weekend. We'll also chat with Cole Custer, who's coming off a strong second place finish in the Xfinity Series at Dover on Saturday. All right, yeah, we just put Dylan at the shop. He camped out there all day <laughs> yeah. long. Uh, thanks, Dylan. Here's a look at the four Stuart Haas drivers at Dover. At one point on Sunday, they ran one, two, three, four for more than 70 consecutive laps, but none of them turned that speed into a victory. No question, it seems like we should start with, with Kevin Harvick. I mean, the dominant car. DJ, if there's one thing, or what is the one thing that, that held them back and possibly will hold them back uh, on the quest for a championship. Yeah, I think it's the same thing that's been bugging this thing and, and having issues. I'm not going to put what happened on the other. I'm not going to call that a mistake on anyone's part. That's just bad luck, something that happened. But all of these issues that we talk about and have for, what, four years now yeah. is it's always things happening in the pits. You know, the pit crew makes mistakes. They make a call. They have things like lug nuts, uh, flying off and, and hitting the valve stem and, and doing that. So that's bad luck. But all of these issues happen in the pits. And we keep talking about with the level of competition and as these rounds move forward, you can't have these type of mistakes and expect to, to win a championship. So uh, I think they've got to fix all of these issues at some point. Not Maybe not all of them, but just a part of them uh, because they have great race cars. They've got a tremendously talented, yeah. uh, talented driver that knows how to win a championship, but you can't put him in those situations yeah. and expect best outcomes. It, it fascinates me that, that Rodney Childers and, and Kevin Harvick are such a great combination that they can't find that combination. And they do have a great combination of pickery. That's not what yeah. I'm saying. They can't find that combination of luck to go along with it sometimes because a lot of times it's just rotten luck. I mean, it's wrong time on pit road, uh, something crazy, a lug nut. Locking, knocking a valve stem off. We hadn't heard that in a pretty good while in the sport, knocking a valve stem off. So when you look at it, what they do, though, and what constantly amazes me, and I think they did it again Sunday, is they dominate a race, they let it slip away, but they come back and they get something out of it. Yeah. They always make something out of it. And that's not what Kevin wants, and that's not what Rodney wants. They want those trophies. Uh, but they know they're fast enough that they can overcome it. If they get this straight for the next, what, seven races, uh, if they can overcome Pitt Road for the next seven races, I've, I've not seen anybody yet that, that can run with them on a weekly basis. Well, and this is a case, too. Like you said, we're not knocking it because these are the very yeah. best of the best. But when you put yourself in the playoffs and everyone is bringing their A game, um, you know, something has to give. Or if something does give, yeah. you're, the, you're the guy that we're talking about, I guess, on a Tuesday show. But there are some guys on that crew who've certainly been there before. When, when Kevin Harvick won, won the championship, some of those guys are still there. But the difference is it's not all of them. You know, there, there have been, like you said, DJ, some changes. And, and we can see it there between the 2014 championship season and the current group. Yeah, and I have to, I guess you have to say, I, I give them credit, and they're not afraid to make a change in a rule. Obviously, there are fewer 
people that are on pit road now, so that's why one of them certainly not there. But you, you have to make yourself and, and hope that you've got things in order by the time the playoffs start. And so uh, if this was just a one-time bad luck thing and they go through these next seven, uh, as Kyle said, and, and everything is okay, then they're going to be hard to beat yeah. as a championship because Kyle made a great point on Sunday that people that might have thought that Kevin Harvick and them had slacked off a little bit, he yeah. said, oh, no, hold on right here because they just went out and wore the field out. It was just unfortunate that that happened. But they have to shore this up if they're going to yeah. be the champions. And we know. We know the people that you saw on that list that are on Kevin's, Kevin Harvick's pit crew are the best they have, yeah. the best that Stuart Haas Racing have. We've seen them take guys from the 10 car of Eric Amarola and move them over to Kevin's team to make Kevin's team stronger. Because even though they have four cars in, in, in the playoffs, Kevin Harvick is my horse. I'm sorry. If I'm, if I'm Gene Haas, if I'm Tony Stewart, Kevin Harvick's my man. These other guys... That's just icing on the cake for me to have the, the other three guys in the playoffs. But Kevin Harvick is my guy. All right, but you bring up a point, and I know Steve Latarton has been talking about this too. You just said they can't pull anybody from anywhere yeah. else because no, all four now, teams, right yeah. all four teams are in the playoffs. So I guess they could, but, but uh, yeah. be a risky <laughs> maybe a story yeah. to follow as the playoffs continue. Another interesting storyline that came out of Dover was Kyle Larson. Before we get to that, let's take a look at another top NASCAR moment in 2018, brought to you by. Coca-Cola. This from the Charlotte Roval. Larson had a roller coaster day. Let's start with, well, there was this wreck going into turn one. This is sort of the one that changed everything. When Brad Keselowski slammed into the wall, it would collect Larson and several others. You see the dejection there from Kyle. Now, Larson's pit crew did an amazing job just getting the car back out onto the track. Doesn't look pretty, but it's out there. And in the end, Larson needed every last spot, bouncing off the wall, passing Jeffrey Earnhardt. Uh, to break a tie with Jimmy Johnson. So Larson made it through to the round of 12, and heading into Dover, he felt pretty good about his chances. Start 10th today, been quickest in both practices. Um, the four cars probably definitely better than we are on the longer run, but you know I feel like we're a second or third place car, so uh, hopefully we can turn that into a win today. All right, Kyle, that interview took place at about 1.53 p.m. on Sunday, just moments before the race yes. began. So the big question, what happened to Kyle Larson? I don't know, because that's the last time we saw Kyle Larson on Sunday. <laughs> um, you know, here's a guy that's standing on pit road, and we've all been there. You, you, you come out of practice, you're confident. I don't think I've ever come out of practice that confident and then just disappeared when the race started. I don't know what happened to that group. I, I honestly don't. That, that's fascinated me, because when they dropped the green flag, I expected him to start working that upper groove, working that upper groove, and start making his way to the front and be a contender with Kevin Harvick. But he was never in the race all day long, was never a factor. Uh, you see right here racing with, with Paul Menard, uh, but it just was never a factor like we thought he was. And we've seen him have bad luck. When he made it out of that first round, after what went on at the Rove, I thought, this is the guy. Yeah. This, this is yeah. the guy that's going to be in, in the top four. Uh, but I, I have no clue what happened there. Yeah, he mentioned he started 10th. It's a good thing because he never ran the top side, top 10 the rest of the day. Uh, but, you know, I would picked him as, as the winner of the race. I really thought with what I saw in practice, I kind of thought what he did, that he had a really good car. Yeah. It was just very surprising to see that. And then that they couldn't make any gains. But I go back to Bristol. We always expect him to do yeah. well on the concrete service there. Even though he finished second in the night race at Bristol, he did not run well. They manufactured that. So I don't know if it's a concrete thing yeah. or they have other issues they need to fix. But he point. was not very happy. 
happy about what took place. And I think we have some quotes from him about yeah, those. Well, and I think that's the interesting thing. What we heard for the interview yeah. he gave before the race, um, this was his quote on his 12th place finish at Dover. Um, really, it's it's pretty juicy, if you. I guess if you can, because he's saying, you know, there are times where I wanted to give up. I just hit my wall head on. We're gonna. We need a lot of people to have a lot of issues to make it to the next round. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't even know how to address that as a driver. I don't, I don't think there was ever a time in, in a race that you felt like just giving up. I, 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 you, I mean, you're. I'm always trying to beat you or beat you, even if it's for 50th position. I'm trying to beat that guy in front of me. So I, I understand the frustration. Um, Verbalizing it like that, I'm not, I'm not sure that I understand that. And we heard the same quote, a, a little bit of the same quote after the Roval. Yeah. Um, where he had gotten so, had run so well, and then everything happened in those last few laps. The team had to kind of talk him through it. And then they're like, oh, my God, Jeffrey Earnhardt's wrecking over here. You need to get back over here. And he had all but given up at that point. Um, and that sends a bad message to the team, I, I think. When, when, when I'm busting my butt on pit road or busting my butt at the shop and the driver sends out a quote, I was about ready to give up and just run head on in the wall. That's not a good place to be for a driver, not a good place to be for a team. Yeah, you know, there's so much more than just being a very talented driver to be successful in this because you've got a lot of people depending on you and keeping those people around you, understanding that they're working six and seven days a week, doing everything yeah. they possibly can to give you the best race car. And sometimes things just don't happen very well. So understanding that sometimes <clears throat> maybe not saying everything that yeah. you yeah. feel yeah. right at the moment yeah. it is a better a way to go about it, and it's easier to, to get through the next yeah. week. Don't be like this, Kyle. Don't say everything that, that comes to your head. Don't let it out. Well, Just it's keep interesting, some of it though, because earlier today we were talking, obviously, off camera. Nate Ryan yeah. had some information and in some different interviews that he had remembered yeah. with Kyle. And, and, and in Kyle's defense, you know, being that leader, being in charge or, or yeah. the face of sort of all of those people, yeah. um, you know, is sort of maybe different territory and maybe something that we'll, we'll examine yeah. coming up later this week. Coming up, everything changed over the final 80 laps on Sunday. And when it was all over, Chase Elliott was victorious. How did the frantic finish sound? Scan All Dover is next here on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. And by Duluth Trading. Tough, ingenious workwear designed and tested by tradesmen. That's a great moment. Of course, one of my favorite moments from the weekend, sitting atop our pit box, watching track president Michael Tatoyan hand a Dover hat to a little girl watching the race. So you know that little girl is a Dover fan for life. Well, so is Chase Elliott. Relive the reason why in today's Scan All from the Monster Mile. Second round of the playoffs about to get underway from Dover International Speedway. Guys, something just snapped the left front. Did I tear the body off it? Something already broke on Jimmy's race car. No way. Yeah, the right front tire is about to come off. Do you feel like you might have a flat chain? It could be that. I hope it is. Yeah, I can't go over five miles an hour. 
So big picture, you could just say, okay, how or why did Chase Elliott win? We asked Jeff Burton, how did he get there? But to be more specific, those restarts, I know you guys kind of want to talk about that comparing, um, you know, the Chase Elliott of now to maybe the Chase Elliott of a couple of years ago, Kyle. Oh, you're throwing that at me. I'm going to throw it at okay. you, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, the, you, were, the, you know why? Because you're I looked at scene. you. I'm sorry. What was I thinking? <laughs> I think the Chase Elliott of, of a couple of years ago got spanked on restarts. Uh, and and Dale and I, we would sit there and watch during the race and say, okay, he's had the best car. He's checked out. Here we get a restart. Joey Logano schools him. Uh, Truex gets into the back of him right here at Michigan. And numerous times he was just didn't get up through the gears, didn't anticipate whatever it was just was almost asleep at the wheel. Yeah, so we have to make sure that everybody knows he's in the 24. I'm yes. sure they do. But uh, at this point in time, it was that. I think this is one of the hardest things as a young driver coming in, learning, getting in that position the first few times because not at any point in time throughout your career coming up through the ranks have you driven a car with this much power yeah. and the tires being old at times and, and hot and just don't hook up very well and understanding at certain racetracks how much power you can put down without creating. And then whenever you try to go easier, well, they blast on by yeah. you with that power they have that yeah. you're not using. So on Sunday, though, he did an outstanding job at yes, one of the, I think, Kyle, one of the most difficult places. Yes, He's on old tires again here yeah. and, and a concrete surface, but did two restarts almost to perfection. Yeah, that's the amazing part. And one of the most difficult places to get a good restart he gets spectacular restarts. And and we go back, the guys that come out of the Xfinity Series that come into the Cup Series are amazed at how intense restarts are, how much you've got to be up on the wheel, how you've got to anticipate, what you've got to do. Uh, this Sunday, watching, watching Chase Elliott do what he did, he looked like he'd been driving for 30 years. He knew exactly what he was doing. He put the car where he needed to be. And right here, he gets that thing in the middle of the corner, powers up, and the race is over with for the 11 car at that point. Yeah, and that's learning. That's what you're supposed to do as a young driver. You yeah. learn from, you know, not necessarily mistakes, but I guess we uh, kind of said that. He even said there were mistakes on his part. So learning from those, you don't want to look back and look at, unless it can benefit you yeah. uh, in things coming in the future, and those certainly did. He did all that. Back to the scan all, I thought at the first of that race, it sounded like Miles got in a couple of those cars <laughs> yeah. himself. The way these drivers were going off on each yeah. other, that was pretty wild. That's what makes scan all spectacular because <laughs> here we, we you got – Clint, and you've got uh, Chase Elliott, mm -hmm. you got all these guys screaming about each other, and then by the end of the race, all that's buried and gone, and nobody cares anymore, well, but it's pretty intense. Really, in the last 20 laps of that race, we had an entire race. Oh, you yes, know, there was so much yeah, that happened totally, to to totally at the end. So, and By the way, when Chase Elliott was asked uh, if he sympathized with Eric Almarola's heartbreaking defeat, obviously Chase had been through many um, of situations yeah. like that. Chase simply said no. Coming up, we're going to hear from Eric Almarola. He's looking to put Dover behind him. He talks about what it will take at Talladega in Kansas to make it through to the round of eight. That's next. Sunday night, it'll be game on between red-hot Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady when the Chiefs face the Patriots at Foxborough. Football night in America is at 7 Eastern with kickoff at 8.20 Sunday night only on NBC. Speaking of the NFL, we hope you did not have Green Bay Packers kicker Mason Crosby on your fantasy team. It was a rough day on Sunday. I guess you could say that, right, DJ, against the Detroit Lions? Yeah, they must have had the air conditioning turned up a lot <laughs> in there the with dome. the wind blowing since that game's played inside. He missed five kicks. He was one for five on field goals and a missed extra point. That's 13 missed points in what turned out to be an eight-point loss. Mm. 
Uh, that is never pretty. In the end, he needed some consoling oh, from quarterback Aaron Rodgers. I thought it was 42. No, stop. Gosh. <laughs> no, sorry. And if anyone could That's relate to Mason, reference. I know, just could relate to Mason Crosby on Sunday, uh, it was not Kyle Larson. I, it could have been Eric Almarola. Eric was a victim of circumstance. Not a poor performance at all, but the heartbreak probably felt the same. Almarola led 64 laps, but a couple of late race issues uh, did him in. As you saw in Scanall, this is on lap 397. Almarola got loose, making contact with Brad Kozlowski. Several other playoff drivers would get caught up in this one. Almarola looking absolutely devastated. And we showed you this yesterday, that shot of him leaning up against his car. Uh, yeah, pretty much said it all. But how is Almarola feeling today? Dylan Welch was camped out at the shop in Kannapolis where he spoke with Eric. Well, Krista, things certainly could have looked a lot different for this 10 team and Eric Almirola had they gone according to plan at Dover, but that was last weekend. We're moving forward to Talladega this weekend. With the position that you're in, how do you balance the patience of making it to the end of the race with the aggression of making up the ground you feel like you need to make up? We just got to go race, um, really. I mean, after you know this past weekend at Dover and, and feeling like we had a shot to win, and that would have been nice to uh, seal the deal there and to go to Talladega and not have to worry, but... Um, it didn't work out, so we got to go race. And, and, you know, I think for us, being in the position we're in, we can't just ride around and, and be cautious and, and, and let those guys score stage points um, without us scoring stage points. So I think it's going to be important for us to go race, and hopefully uh, we have some luck on our side and, and we stay out of the, the, the big one, if there is a big one, um, and, and score stage points and, and really be on offense. Um, you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, our thought process going into the weekend. And then hopefully we're in, you know, close enough position when we leave Talladega to where we can go to Kansas and race. It's a, it's a great racetrack for us. We ran really good there in the spring, and um, I always love going to Kansas. So I've had one bad experience at Kansas, but I've had a lot of great experiences there too. So, um, you know, hopefully we're, we're well within uh, contention to go to Kansas and, and put ourselves in position to make the next round. With the speed that you have shown at both restrictor plate tracks and Kansas this year, mile and a half too, does that ease the nerves or the, the, the weight on your shoulders, that feeling a little bit? No, not really. I mean, it, it's, is, it's that part of the year, you know what I mean? We're, we're all racing uh, for a championship. There's really high stakes, and, and so, um, you know, everybody's, everybody's on edge. Everybody wants to be aggressive. Everybody wants to score every point they can. We saw, you know, at the end of Charlotte that every point matters, uh, every position, every finishing position. So uh, Talladega is going to be no different. And, uh, you know, I, I have had some great races at Talladega. I've won, uh, won an Xfinity race there and run top five quite a few times in the Cup Series. So... It's been a good place, but, you know, it's still the unknown, right? Like, you can get caught up in a wreck that has nothing to do with you, or, or you could be, you know, the, the, the cause of the wreck. Um, just things happen. Uh, we run 200 miles an hour an inch apart from each other for, you know, three hours. So one mistake, uh, and, and it usually collects a lot of people, and you just have to hope you're in the right place at the right time. And, and uh, if we are, uh, it could be a good day for us. When you came to Stuart Haas Racing at the beginning of the year, looking back on how this year has gone up to this point, exceeding expectations right where you thought you'd be, what are your thoughts? 
it's been fun. Um, you know, I knew coming here that Stuart Haas Racing is one of the best teams in the garage, and, and so I was going to have opportunities to run up front and, and to win races, but I didn't realize that it would be this often. You know, I, I can count four or five times that we've been in position to win races and, and, and it not happened. So I'm, uh, I'm getting pretty antsy. I, I want to go to victory lane. This team deserves to go to victory lane. Um, and so I want to get Smithfield and, and Ford and uh, Mobile One and, and everybody that helps uh, on this program to, to victory lane because I feel like uh, we're, we're deserving. We've run up front and we got to seal the deal. He's looking for some redemption at Talladega this weekend, Krista. Yeah, I love everything he said. I mean, as we head for Talladega in Kansas, here's where you see Almarola. He's tied with his teammate Clint Boyer, 10 points behind the final transfer spot. We know at Talladega, like you said, anything can happen, and it may come down to that, that one point, that one position. So, Dale, what do you do, or if you are Eric Almarola, what would you or what advice would you give him right now? Yeah, just like kind of like he said, he kind of summed it up there. Go like hell. That's about yeah. what you have to do. Yeah. I mean, actually, this won't be the first or last crazy thing I say that some people would take as crazy on one of these shows, but I think that he and Boyer are actually in a better spot going to Talladega, seeing what's ahead of you, what you need to do, because yeah. you need to gather stage points. You can wipe that 10-point deficit out in the first stage if you go up there yeah. and run first or second, and whoever you're racing for that uh, doesn't have a good first stage. So I think they're in a better spot than even their teammate Kirk Bush, who is plus 21, because he's kind of in that middle spot as to when do I race? How hard do I go after this? What exactly do I do? So I think Boyer and, and Eric understand what they need to do, and, and especially Eric. If I'm going to come back from the disappointment of a Dover, I think I go attack Talladega, and he's probably glad that he's going there. Yeah, and and I, I'm going to agree with that because I, I sat here while listening to him talk, and I wrote down stage points, stage points, stage points. He's got to get stage points yep. uh, in this race and at, at Kansas when you go there. And you look at, at Kurt Busch, 21 in, you're in that quandary. How, do I protect? What do I do? If you're 10 out, you say, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go get stage points. And that has changed the way this sport is run. Uh, it's yeah. not where you finish at the end of the race. Mm -hmm. You got to get those stage points in that first mm -hmm. stage and get them in the second. You can't just give them away. That's one of the things that Truex was so upset about after the Roval was, you knocked me out of those stage points at the end of this thing, you know, and, and at the end of the, of the, the playoff points. So I think when you look at things, this is all that Eric has. Now, I'm going to say this about Eric. Great restrictor plate driver. Great at Kansas. Two racetracks that he's going to, he can pull himself out of that bottom group. Yeah, there you see yeah. some of his numbers at restrictor plate tracks. Um, so it's a, a different mentality. The stage racing has definitely changed. Since yeah. You're not looking yeah. at the finish. You're looking at the end of that first stage. Did you write it down three times? You no. said stage point, stage. stage. No, I marked under it three times like that. Okay, three, you yeah. wrote stage, lines stage, under yeah. it. And regardless of what happens, to, in my opinion, with Eric Almore the rest of this year, career year. Yeah. Yes, he hasn't it is. won yes, yet. It is. Uh, put himself in Impressive. position. Great move to there, and he's uh, taken all the pressures that go with making a move yeah. like that and done an outstanding yeah. job. How many times, and, and we've seen it, guys will take a step thinking they're going to get better, and they don't do anything. He's taken full advantage of the step he took to, yeah. to Stuart Haas. Yeah, maximize the opportunity and has yep. moved on to this next round yep. Yep. Um, of the playoffs. Well, Talladega, no question, NASCAR's most unpredictable track. But lately, Team Penske running up front has become something to bank on. We'll look into how they dominated at Dega in recent years when NASCAR America continues. It seems like every round of the playoffs has one track that's a wild card. And in the round of 12, that track is Talladega. The Monster Energy Cup Series playoffs hits Talladega Sunday, 
2 Eastern on NBC. Well, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, and Brad Kozlowski have all won this year, and their numbers at restrictor plate tracks play to their favor. They are out to show why Team Penske is the team to beat at NASCAR's biggest track. Talladega has been very good to Team Penske, uh, without a doubt. For the fifth time in his career, Brad Kozlowski has won at the Talladega Super Speedway. And I expect us to work very well together and be in position to win this year as well. Talladega, Daytona has been good, a good race track for us. Logano wins at Talladega! fast cars and we work well together. I think that's what makes us strong. I think it's tough to beat any of the, the Ford guys at the Super Speedway races. They've just been really, really fast. They've got a lot of horsepower. They do a really good job, especially the Penske Brigade. Our guys are at the, at the top of the game. I think anybody would say that across the garage area. Obviously, Brad and Joey have, have done really well over the last couple years in executing with the equipment and the things that they've had to, to put themselves in victory lane. Joey Logano has won yet again, picking up the victory. They're fast. They're able to play offense. You know, they're on offense all the time, making moves, putting guys in bad positions. They make it awfully tough for you to be able to outrace them at Talladega. In the 2014 playoffs, Brad Kozlowski scored a walk-off win at Talladega to advance, and the success has continued since then for both him and Penske teammate Joey Logano. They have combined to win the last two and six of the last eight cup races at Talladega. Kyle, when we were talking about that today, did we, we yes. kind of all looked like, is that a misprint? Six of the last yeah, eight. Amazing. Amazing. And, and you heard Roger Penske in that, in that press deal say, you can ask anybody in the garage, we've got our stuff together. They do. Those numbers back it up. But the other thing that they have together is they have Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski, two of arguably the best restrictor plate drivers that are out there. They know how to control the race. They understand once you get them to the first or second position, they understand how to slow down that outside line, speed up that inside line, or speed up that outside line and slow down that inside line. And they just take control of the race. And they make you race their race. You're trying to get up there and take control of the race and wrestle it away from them and run the race you want to, but you can't because they don't allow that when we get to Talladega and sometimes when we've been to Daytona. And I think that's it's the perfect time for this group. Um, and as Dale will tell you, they got tons of horsepower. Yeah, Doug Yates. That, that's the name <laughs> that you need to know as to why they're up there, able to do all of those things. But they do a tremendous job when they get up there. I mean, winning six out of eight at Talladega, where all we talk about is trying to miss the big one. Well, they miss the big one because they're usually leading or battling for the lead right there. And they've been fortunate uh, to sneak through a few of those and get themselves back in position. You talk about six out of eight, that's numbers like Richard Childress Racing used yeah. to have there. But he only had one driver doing it, and that was yeah, Dale Earnhardt yeah. Sr. <laughs> he just won all six by yeah, himself. So here's an interesting question, because you mentioned the fact that um, you feel like maybe Eric Almarola, Clint Boyer are almost in better position because they can just go attack. They don't yeah. have to play defense. Mm -hmm at all. So if you're Joey Logano, Brad Kozlowski, and you know this is an opportunity, you know you're good there, yeah. does that get in your head where you start to think, oh, I've got to do something. I'm kind of right middle of the pack and I have to somehow, you're talking about controlling the race. Yeah. Can attacking be no. a bad thing? No. no. Look, Joey Logano and Brad Kozlowski are going there to win. I mean, Joey's the only guy that we've heard over the last month that said, <laughs> really looking forward to Talladega. I'm ready to go to Talladega. I mean, that's one, that, and you hear drivers say, we circled that one on our calendar. If you've won six out of eight at Talladega, you circle Talladega every time it comes up. If you're driving from uh, Atlanta 
over to Birmingham, you circle Talladega because you're going to stop by and say, I'm going to, I'm going to get this place. And that's kind of the way that it is. So I, I think there are guys that are going to be up there fighting with them. There are guys. And look, nobody's going to Talladega to lay down. Don't get me wrong. But you're going to have to go through Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano and probably Ryan Blaney if you're going to win at Talladega. Yeah. Yeah, I think that Brad might have enough points that he could look at uh, an alternative uh, solution or uh, a, a way to go about running the race and, and attack late uh, yeah. instead of doing it all day. But in his mindset, I see Brad yeah. Keselowski trying to lead as many laps, getting all the stage points that he can and trying to win this race and moving himself through that way. Yeah, we saw Brad standing in victory lane like this. Brad's all he's thinking about is this. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's thinking about standing there on Sunday like this. But if you want a little teaser of when to watch or why to watch um, this weekend, you talked about the stage points and how much everybody wants them. Oh, yeah. Those last few laps before that oh, end of stage oh, one, crazy. end of stage two. Yeah. That's we never be used wild. to see that. I mean, no. at, at the end, you know, you, you'd be running along and like those laps, people would just get in line. You'd get up next to the wall and you'd ride. Whoop! Everybody pits. Everybody goes back and runs. Stage racing has made Daytona and Talladega especially uh, phenomenal. When you come down at whatever lap ends the stage and they're four wide to the line, it's like. What just happened here, man? This is that's incredible. That's pretty spectacular. Yeah, and it's a good thing we have electronic scoring for yeah, NASCAR to know that. who finished where because trying true to see when they come across their four wide for that eighth, ninth, and tenth spot like that, it's so crazy. Like this, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just take it. That's it. That's it. There you go. In last year's Xfinity Series playoffs, Cole Custer missed out on a chance to race for the title by just four points, but he is back in the round of eight again. So how does he plan to break through this time? We will hear from him next. closed. Welcome back. Earlier, we told you today's news about Casey Kane. He has not been medically cleared to compete for the rest of the 2018 season. So with his previous announcement that this will be his last full-time NASCAR season, today's news effectively ends his NASCAR career. Tomorrow, here on NASCAR America, we will bring you the announcement of the new driver of the 95 car. We'll hear from him. We'll also hear from Joey Logano's crew chief, Todd Gordon, heading into Talladega. And we're going to introduce you to the first nominee for this year's Comcast Community Champion Award. Big show on tap for tomorrow. All right, you guys ready to make a social pit stop? Nobody yes. answered me. Okay. Absolutely. IndyCar Series driver Robert Wickens continues to rehab his severe injuries from a crash at Pocono in August. Here's a light moment, though. His teammate James Hinchcliffe is hitching a ride on Wickens' wheelchair. Of course, we send Robert <laughs> our best wishes. That looks dangerous. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Good to see that, though. Yeah. Really good to see it. All right. Ryan Blaney has teammates on the track, but he has another with sponsor Body Armor, Kobe Bryant. Blaney met the basketball legend, gave him his fire suit from Indy. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, how about that? That is, I, I have to say, Blaney looks taller there than I thought he did. <laughs> I didn't know he would come up the, the Kobe's shoulder. Are you kidding me? Uh, by the way, Kobe's doing just fine. His initial investment in body armor, it's worth $200 million. Oh, that's all. Sorry. All right, let's keep the money theme going. Uh, the debut of at-track betting at Dover was a success, unless you were the house. The sports book at Dover Downs Casino actually lost money because of all the bets they had to pay out on Chase Elliott. He had 20 to 1 odds entering the race. All right, well, I'm not even sure three or 4,000 yeah. makes the lights flicker whatsoever. I think they'll be okay. But good for the fans. <laughs> good they got the on fans. the right side there. Good. That's a good way to get this started. I would have thought the house would have made money. 150 people would bet on Dale Jr. to win. Don't say it. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Here's what happens.
as soon as Kyle starts smiling before he tells a story, you know it's going to be good. These eight drivers look to do what Chase Elliott did in 2014, win the Xfinity Series championship. Among them, Cole Custer, who will start the round of eight in fourth, right on the cut line to advance to the championship. Dylan Welch was busy today. He also found Cole at the shop. Krista Cole Custer is coming off a solid runner-up finish at Dover last weekend, but that was last weekend. Now the focus turns to the round of eight. Three different racetracks. How do you feel about where your program is at right now as we move forward to Kansas in a couple weeks? I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, this next round is more going to suit our team with some mile and a half in it. I think that's more of our strong suit. Uh, the last round, I was pretty nervous going into it just because I knew we had the speed to get through it, but it wasn't our strongest track. So uh, we did a good job managing that, but I think now we're going to really show what we have. Is there one of the races in this round that you have circled that you feel like this is the one that we need to take advantage of and, and try and have our best run at? Uh, I think Kansas and Texas. Texas is, has been a good track for us, so I think both those tracks we can have a lot of speed at. And even Phoenix, we ran good there earlier in the year, so I think uh, – I don't think there's a track in this round that I'm really too worried about. I think we just need to try and execute good and you know do what we can do. We were talking on NASCAR America yesterday about your success at Homestead, about how well you run there. Have you let yourself think about what would happen if you got to that race yet? Uh, not really. I don't think you can really think about it. you got to take it one week at a time. But, I mean, definitely if we can get there, I think we have a good shot at you know competing for a championship. But, uh, you know, getting there is the, the hardest part about it. Your off-weekend plans, I uh, heard you're going to run a sports car at Road Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun. They, uh, Ford has a group of us drivers, uh, you know, going down the road, laying and run the, the IMSA race, Continental Tire race down there. So it's going to be a fun time trying to work on my lefts and rights. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, it should be a fun, fun drive down there. Well, he'll be fresh when they get to Kansas in a couple weeks, Krista. Yeah, Dylan. Dylan was the busiest, hardest working guy on the show, no question. Apparently, the lawn maintenance crew wasn't there today. Well, we would have heard from them, too, I think. Yeah, Don't I everybody else. Good point. Good uh, point. And he brings up a good point because we forget the Xfinity Series is off this yes, weekend, yeah. so their next race is Kansas. Um, your thoughts on what you heard from Cole Custer or just his chances to, to make it into, into Miami? Okay, I like his attitude. Not a track that's left that we're worried about. Okay, that's a, that speaks volumes. And the other thing I like about Cole Custer and that team right now is just as we talked about Stuart Haas Racing on the cup side, this team has speed. Yeah. Everywhere they go, they have speed, and that's what they need. Going to Texas, going to Kansas, going to Phoenix, no matter where they go, if you've got speed, you can figure out the rest part, or at least it gives you a leg up. Yeah, and I'll bring up a name that I brought up a while ago that helps him out a lot and I think enhances his chances with three mile-and-a-half tracks left uh, to win a championship. That's Doug Yates, builds the engines. Yeah. you got to have that horsepower there. But he's done a really good job of driving these race cars, understanding what it takes to navigate through these rounds. A little bit of a strange schedule for them. As they go through the summer when they race, what, 16 or 17 yes. weeks in a row? Now they <laughs> race, they're off a week, then they're off a week yep. again, and then they get, they go back to racing. So uh, a little bit different, but uh, gives the drivers a chance to focus so what's up next? Yeah, they start a new round, and it's, so it's Kansas, Texas, Phoenix, if yeah. you're keeping track at home. And Jeff Burton sat in this chair yesterday and said, if Cole Custer makes it to Miami, yeah. similar watch to Kyle out. Larson, yeah. watch out. Yeah. On Sunday, Chase Elliott became the 36th different driver to win at Dover. Is it a sign of bigger things to come? When we return, we will show you why mm, it just might be. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. It's day seven of the NHL season, and there is a great matchup tonight on NBCSN. The San Jose Sharks with superstar defenseman Eric Carlson taking on the Philadelphia Flyers. Our coverage starts with NHL Live at 630 Eastern. 
Did you guys know it is World Post Day? The anniversary of the Universal Postal Service. Oh, didn't know that. That's, wow. It's an educational show. So a great yes, day to send yes. a letter if you want to. Chase Elliott put a stamp on his chance to win this year's title by winning at Dover. The list of recent winners at that track. We talked about this. 19 of the last 20 have something in common, a championship. And when you see Chase's name amongst this company, okay, granted, this is skewed wow. a little bit because Jimmy Johnson has <laughs> eight of them. Yeah, he skews the numbers on a lot of things. But um, it, it really, and that's what we talked about with Chase, the fact that it is, it's it's not a track where there's really a lot of fluke winners. I no. mean, the guys that win at Dover because it's such a tough track, um, yeah, you and, both have won. You guys have both yeah, won at Dover. And it proved to be very tough on Sunday, especially yeah. there in the... You know, the last portion of that race, I mean, those last 100 miles, just a lot of things happened. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, we talk about the stage racing at Talladega and stuff and how we know the end of that's going to get to be wild. Yeah. But uh, uh, it's just going to be an entertaining race mm -hmm. this weekend as Dover was. Yeah, and we talk, we talk about Dover all the time is you can get caught up in somebody else's stuff. And yeah. we saw how many cars did we see get caught up when Eric got into the wall and got into the two car. Then, you know, you, you've got to... Your heart goes out to Alex Bowman. Yeah. Guys like yeah. Alex Bowman had been a lap down two or three times in the race and fought himself back to a top 10 finish, was going to have a top 10 finish. So that's the kind of race it is. So it's tough just to survive, much less put yourself in position to win. So for crew chiefs this week, I mean, it's such a track where you can't really control a yeah. lot. What mm -hmm. can you do to prepare? I mean, are you a cheerleader for your driver? Or what, what, what can you do this week? Because... Probably go to church and pray yeah. would be yeah, the first thing. I don't know, yeah. something yeah. like that. Just no, <laughs> prepare everything. And then you know, there's going to be a couple of strategy moves along the way there uh, that, that you might try to keep your driver in a position between the crew chief and the pit crew doing your job. Yeah. When you do come to pit road, don't put your driver back in the pack anymore when you have to. Do not, yeah, keep your driver where he's at. If he gets up front, you don't want a, you don't want a pit road penalty. You don't want anything like that. And the spotters are critical here. Spotters are critical here. Maybe as, as this when we when Dale and I drove, this is one of the first places we started using spotters were Daytona yeah. and Talladega, the big tracks. You didn't have them at Martinsville and places like that. Eventually, they bled over everywhere else. But Talladega has always been critical to have an extra set of eyes on what's going on. But this on that is where we track. could see some of those guys out of the playoffs: That's Austin Dillon, yeah. Denny Hamlin. Oh, yeah. Everybody uh, thinks Jones. they can win at Talladega, and yeah, they can. They can. All right. That's all for NASCAR America. For all of your NASCAR news, log on to NBC Sports. Dot com slash NASCAR. We'll be back tomorrow at 5 o'clock Eastern. Thanks for watching. Have a great night. We'll see you in Talladega. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.